And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. The podcast of the pandemic beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? The podcast of the virus. The virus. The podcast. The Brave New World Virus Podcast. Another podcast uh, done remotely. Yes, another one done remotely. Episode what of Brave New World now? Um, I think I lost count. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. We're on... Six. We, we, yeah, we finished off um, The Fallen Angel, I think, last time, ready to go into Nomad. Yep, so we're going to start with yeah. Nomad. Yeah, but we'll get there shortly. I got to have a beer. I think we were able to sync one up. We did. We both have this uh, cappuccino stout from Kitty Vitty. Six, 6.5%. Yeah, so this is the Cappuccino Stout, 6.5% from Kitty Vitty. We're doing a lot of Kitty Vitty because they're a brewery that's still open, easy access. Right. They have no con- they have no contact pickup at the brewery. No contact pickup. I know, the millennial dream. Hit the clip. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. Distance beers. I'm kind of getting used to recording uh, remotely now. It was very strange at first. Yeah. Like the whole point of our podcast was to get together and have a beer and talk about Iron Maiden. I know. We're still having having a beer and talking about Iron Maiden, but I don't know. It seems very uh, strange to be. Now it's it's more more work to zoom into. (laughs) No, it's uh, it's not a fun way to do the podcast compared to normal. Yeah, but it's, it's all right. The Zoom it's all is right. the Zoom is much better than doing like a Skype call with no picture. That's right. Yeah. So we've got just for our listeners, we've we've stepped it up. Hopefully, it's better than last week. We're using our proper mics that we normally use. Um, we've got a Zoom video in parallel, and then Nesbitt's going to take the painstaking time to uh, splice the two independently recorded conversations together right i'm gonna record my side on my side and you'll record yours on your side and then send me your wave file and i'll mesh yeah. them together I'm gonna, the I'm, gonna crank up, <laughs> I'm gonna crank up the bass <laughs> crank it up on my side I'll, I'll edit it out and i'll edit in all kinds of ha, ha, ha. great joke <laughs> now you tell one <laughs> so uh the nomad track number eight we got the first seven tracks covered mm. we are taking a long time on this album but uh I don't know. What else we got to do? We're stuck in our houses. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know there's at least one person out there who's like, I hope I don't die till I hear the final. (laughs) Or there's someone who hates this album and they're just like, enough with the Brave New World already. (laughs) I know. Imagine if Virtual 11 took an actual 11 episodes. (laughs) All right. The Nomad. So this is one of the songs written for Virtual 11. During the sessions for Virtual 11, it was written, yeah. So if there had have been a third Blaze Bailey Iron Maiden album, the Nomad would have been on it, which would have been cool to hear Blaze do a take on this, I think. Yeah. So it's a Dave Murray written song with Steve Harris. Um, no slow intro on this one, even though it's a Dave Murray one. You know how we always talk about Dave Murray tracks? They always have those slow kind of bluesy intros. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't it, always. <laughs> this one hammers into the epic. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one is sort of like a modern take on to tame a land sort of do you think mm-hmm. i don't know it's got a desert um, theme yeah i guess that's the commonality yeah it has the same kind of feel too 
It's just that kind yeah. of like, well, you know, the first minute of the song is kind of instrumental. It has like a kind of yeah. Middle Eastern deserty feeling to it. I don't know what it is about that that makes it seem like Middle Eastern or deserty, but it does. Yeah, it's just the desert concept I think that's got you. It's all those Lawrence of Arabia things bounce around your head. Yeah, there must be something about the scales they're playing or the chord progression that's like Middle Eastern sounding. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I can definitely hear some guitar tones that almost like you can think of like an Indiana Jones theme too. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it sounds like you're in a desert for some reason. I don't know why. It's cool. Yeah. They run through like a whole verse and a whole chorus instrumentally mm. before the lyrics even start. And it's yeah. cool. Bruce is basically singing the guitar part. They're doing that thing again where they, like, tease the vocal melody yeah. with the guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of cool. I don't know. There's nothing really like this in the Maiden catalog. Like, it's kind of unique sounding. You think? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess. it's For, for me, I, I just, I, I don't know. I love this track. I absolutely love it. And it feels like something that there's a big, deep story behind, but I just can't put my finger on it. I know. You read the lyrics and it's just like... Yeah. I'm not 100% sure what they're talking about. I'm like, who is this nomad? Yeah, it, yeah it's you not know? really based on anything. It's just, yeah, it's basically just about some, like, desert nomad who's, like, a badass that killed, like, 100 yeah. men, they say. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great kind of concept, right? Like, you, you know, this n- nomad or this assassin who merges from the desert, you know, kills everybody and then just disappears into the sand again. It's so mythic, you know? Yeah. I absolutely love the lyrics. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the in the third course there, well, they're all awesome, but I love, like, no one dares to even look or glance your way. Your reputation goes before you, they all say. Yeah. <laughs> like a spirit that can disappear at will, many claim of things, but no one's seen you kill. <laughs> you know, that's so good. It is pretty cool. Cheesy, but it's good. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool they, Bruce kind of sings that pre-chorus of the Nomad part. I guess it's, a, it's not really a chorus, it's like a... a pre-chorus i guess but you're like two and a half minutes into the song like it's a long song it's nine minutes long you're two and a half minutes in before you finally get the pre-chorus that sets up like the mm. true chorus like a spirit that can disappear at will many claim of things but no one's seen you kill no No, 
I think you just hit the lyric. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no man ever understood your genius, right? I don't get that part because everything's about him being like unknown, mysterious, lethal. Yeah. And then his genius, you know, what was he out solving riddles in the desert? But it's a weird song to wrap your head around because it has that like yeah. weird pre-chorus and then the chorus. But then it just hits a spot and it goes into these like guitar solos and these cool guitar lines of weirdly structured song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, it you're never, ever, when you put it on, does it feel like nine minutes or are you ever wanting it to be over? It's just so awesome. Um, I think it is. It does kind of feel a bit long. Yeah. It's not like Dream of Mirrors. Remember Dream of Mirrors seemed like it flew? Yeah. Same with yeah. Uh, Ghost of the Navigator. Like yeah. That's a long song, I, but it seems short. This one doesn't seem short. This one seems... Yeah, but that's length. That's also... Yeah, but that's also because... Like, you always know you're in the Nomad because they keep saying Nomad so many times. Like, it is so repetitive in the minor and major chorus. It's everywhere, Nomad, Nomad, Nomad. Bruce is singing it. Like, you're getting marked the whole time. Whereas, like, depending on how you listen to your album, if you sit there and you're looking at the back of the album, absolutely, every track. But a lot of tracks, you kind of, you know, you go in and out. But Nomad, there's no chance you're listening to it. You don't know what track it is. I wonder how many times they say Nomad in this song. Oh, a lot. (laughs) A lot. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot of nomad in it. Yeah, the nomad, and then the yeah. high-pitched nomad, yeah. Yeah, he sings that the chorus. Like, there's basically two choruses. He sings them, like, in, in different ways completely. Yeah. And then there's times where he gets gruff into it, you know? That's weird. And then you get, I like, you're, like, three minutes into the song. And then, you know, it just, out of the blue, these wicked guitar parts come. So it's Adrian Smith, mm. then Yannick. And then Dave Murray. It's like a three-part guitar part. That's, that's an awesome Yannick part in the middle. Yeah. And then when it when it goes back to Dave, you can just hear Dave takes the tone of the chorus right back into yeah. it and, and wraps it yeah. out and ties it back perfect. I really like Adrian's part right at the beginning of that. It's very yeah. cool. It, it's all good, and it's yeah. a triple, you know, back to back to back. And again, it's, it's awesome. very Middle Eastern sounding. You know what I mean? Yeah, a bit maybe. I don't know. You're... you're th- yeah, you're, you're picturing a cobra snake coming yeah, exactly. up out of a... You know, out of a... Which is less Middle East, more Asia, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about the song. I think it must yeah. be like the chord progression or the scales yeah. they're playing in. Someone who yeah, knows more about ha- music could explain this to me. Actually, I got a, a couple of emails about uh, timing and stuff that I was wondering. Someone actually explained a few things. I'll get into it not on this episode, but there was a few things yeah. I couldn't figure out, and a few people emailed me and explained to me yeah. about the timing on a few songs. Apparently, I messed nice. it up pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> But you get to the four and a half minute mark. So far, 
you know, it's pretty straightforward as far as like the structure. But then at the four and a half minute mark, everything drops out and the song switches to this like completely new instrumental part. And I think this is where the song goes from like a pretty good song to like a really great song. Like I really like, Mm -hmm. it's like an epic movie soundtrack with like tons of keyboards and instrumentation. Like it's built right up and it really sounds epic. And there's like three minutes of that part and it just builds and it like whines and it just, it sounds really amazing. Like, this is the part I'm talking about in the middle of the song. So that's really the highlight of the song yeah. to me. Like it, that yeah. part when it hits in, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's got like I love a, the vocal ramp up after he comes back from that. That is yeah. also cool. But this part here is very yeah. cool. It goes on for three minutes. That was just a short clip of it, but it has like a marching through the desert feel. You know what I mean? Mm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And it does sound very epic. There's a lot of orchestration under it. This is orchestrated by Jeff Bova. Remember we were talking about him a few episodes ago. So I have a quote from Steve Harris, and he says, Yeah, he did a little bit on the middle section, and again, he did exactly what I wanted him to do. The rest of the Nomad, believe it or not, I actually played the keyboards. The main reason for that is because I know what I want, and I know the timings I need. I could get Michael Kenny to do it, but I think by the time he sat there and learned it with the timings, I might as well do it myself and save time and get exactly what I want. So Steve Harris plays the keyboards on this song, except for that middle section. And I think it's the kind of orchestrated part. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can really, like, a lot of times you probably don't realize how much orchestration and keyboards are on this song. If you listen to the rock mix, so on the Wildest Dreams DVD single, there's something on there called the rock mix. And I did a clip of the album version and the rock mix version back to back. Yeah, that was in the no, no non-album tracks, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we covered that on some episode. I can't remember. Yeah, we covered it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But here's a clip comparing the two, and you can really hear how much orchestra and, well, it's all keyboards, but how much orchestration is underneath the song. So you can really hear how like sparse it sounds without all the orchestration. I kind of like it. Again, I'm not sure yeah. if I like it better just because it's kind of new or if I actually do like it better. It's hard to tell, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't notice that much of a difference in those. Oh, really? Like yeah, I mean, that's that's not a piece that I that I'm super focusing on. Like I love the epic. I love the solos. I love the epic nature of the track and I love Bruce's vocal experience in this. Oh yeah. The keyboard piece Bruce like, sounds great you, you know, on this song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. 
But I find yeah. that slow part in the middle when you take the keyboards out. It's very sparse sounding. It sounds very cool. It doesn't have that epic feel that it normally does. But I do really like yeah. that version. It's just, again, I'm not sure if it's like just because it's something new. You know what I mean? When you hear a new version of something, you tend to like it more just because it's the novelty. Yeah, fair enough. Um, for me in this track, though, I just find if you listen to his vocal, the vocals as he goes through the whole epic, like he really starts to lean into it. And I find he does this amazing transition through the whole thing. Like he just evolves so much in it. That's that's what I take away from the song. Like all the background stuff. Yeah. And, you know, there's some awesome stuff like the keyboard segment you played there towards the end of that transition. I thought it was really cool segue. Yeah. But, you know, the re- for me, it's just like, it's all about him just beating it. And because it's such a, the pace on the song slows so much, you don't really necessarily appreciate how good the vocals are in it. Yeah. Well, you're talking about you when they I mean? kick back in. Yeah. So that's this part. Yeah, so Bruce just, you know, his vocals on this whole album are insanely good. They're amazing. Yeah. They're so good. This might be, oh, it's up there. might even be his best. Yeah, this it's album. up there. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, we, we haven't been, like, glowing about this song. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. It's very, well, this whole, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, this whole album is full of favorite songs, but I love this it's song. It's really unique sounding. Yeah. And it really has an epic feel, more so than a lot of the things that we call epics. Because uh, yeah. to me, this sounds like a movie soundtrack. Like it puts pictures in your head. You know what I mean? Like you can talk yeah. about like Brave New World or Blood Brothers being epic. But not in the way this one is. Like it puts pictures of, you know, a guy in the desert or something in your head. Yeah. An epic person who like can disappear at will. Yeah. You know, he kills, but you've never seen it. Like legend has it that you speak an ancient tongue like who's this cool <laughs> badass i want to hang with this guy like he's in some moss Eisley katina somewhere <laughs> you know it's like i i i love the the nomad concept you know this like loner you know doesn't say much oh, yeah. just appears and disappears to distribute justice underrated track too oh he, really you think it's underrated i always think it's people like it yeah i don't know you don't see it showing up on many top 10 lists that's fair, but that's because of the length, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Um, a lot of people, though, they point to this, and they're like, this is the first sign of the like Maiden bloat. You know, the new, the bloated songs of the new Maiden era, which I disagree with because I like the long songs. But a lot of people think this is where Maidens are like, stretching their songs longer, and it's not benefiting the song. It's just kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Like, I, I mean... disagree because I really love these songs, and I mean... Most of the longer songs are my favorite songs in the later era. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I come at it with a huge bias because, you know me, I'm an album listener. I'm not a track listener. Like, I just never, if I hold the vinyl, I put it down and I'm distracted. I'm just always listening to the albums. Okay. And, like, the only difference in my vinyl listening and my digital listening is that the vinyl makes me turn it over. 
Right. right? <laughs> and everything else is just, it just goes. Like, I, like, so often, so how many times have we sat down to, to, to you know, review an album? When I dig into it, I'm like, oh, wait now, I forgot that that song ends there. You know, because in my mind, you know, it's also the way I listen. I just listen to albums. I, I just always did, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I've been listening, I've listened to Led Zeppelin probably as much as almost any made maiden album. Oh, yeah. And I, I would I be, too, yeah. I, yeah, and I, I can probably name 10 tracks. Oh, really? I just do not, I do not listen. I do not even know, like, I just put them on. I don't, yeah. yeah I See? just don't. And <laughs> yeah. See, I like to sit down, listen to, like, if I come get a new maiden album. I'll yeah. listen to it through a few times, and then I guarantee I will listen to the first track like ten times in a row, the second track ten times yeah. in a row. That's what I did with Book of Souls, yeah. and I gradually, you know what I mean. I that's just the way I do it until I hammer the songs into my head. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But I do like that. I just flow yeah. of the album. You have to kind of uh, soak yeah. in. Yeah, I just play an album, and if I if it's an album I like by band, I don't know or like. And I mean, you know, I, I'll give it a couple of chances, but a lot of times I'll just be like, nah, I'm not bothered. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's a band I like, I just keep listening to it until I like it or hate it. Yeah. And then uh, that's that's the way I do it. And then, you know, I'll, I'll break down. I really just don't playlist anything. I don't do it. Yeah. I just don't. You know how bad I am at that stuff? Yeah. Although, like, right? the newest Pearl Jam album came out, and I did this. I broke it into halves, and I listened to the first half yeah. a whole bunch of times, and I was like, this is an amazing album. But then I listened to the second half over and over again, and I was like, uh, yeah. "This is an album with one really good side and one weak side." <laughs> so it kind of backfired in that case. But um, not everybody likes this song. We got an email from someone, uh, a listener, Andy, and he says yeah. about the Nomad. He says every time he sings Nomad, I go, "No man, I can't handle it." The most repetitive song on a repetitive album. But this yeah. is the song that really suffers for it. I can see that. It is pretty repetitive. But, like, I have yeah. no problem with repetition. There are some lyrics that are a little bit weird. Yeah. Like, Nomad, you're the writer so mysterious. <laughs> I never I never hear it that way. Yeah. I wouldn't want to tell you what I hear. <laughs> um, there's so many little things like that uh, where when you, you know, this is one of those where when you read the lyrics... It, it's a different <laughs> experience, um, and it is a little bit. But I just love the way Bruce sings "Nomad," and he changes it up a bunch. So I, I you know, I know it's repetitive. Yeah, I have zero I, problem with repetition in my Maiden songs, yeah. like "Red and the Black," "Talisman." These are like yeah. my favorite Maiden songs, and they're pretty repetitive. Yeah, you know what I mean. The greater good of God. <laughs> I love it. So I have no problem with yeah. repetitive Maiden stuff. So I don't know. People complain about a lot of uh, this later Maiden era. And the repetition, yeah. but it doesn't get to me at all. I'm yeah, like, gotta more. complain about something. <laughs> I told you about my 45 minute version of the Red and the Black that I made. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You see, I yeah, <laughs> you have time <laughs> yeah. to do that. Your talisman is how long? Oh wait, maybe it's a talisman that's 45 minutes, yeah. and the Red and the yeah, Black is like 22 minutes. Yeah. minutes or something like that. Yeah, it is the talisman, right? Yeah. Do you even like that song? I love it. <laughs> The red and the black. I mean, it's only twenty-two minutes. Yeah, I I love this. I love this track, and I love this this end of this album. I just think they left so much good stuff to the end. Um, one and, thing you know. that we have to mention about the song is the lawsuit. Oh yes. So yes, I'm sure people right, are yeah. like, "How come they're not talking about the lawsuit yeah. yet?" Especially when we played that slow part in the middle. 
Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about this to death when it first popped up. Um, yeah. Maiden were, this is part of the Hallowed Be Thy Name Beckett lawsuit, but they also yeah. sued Dave Murray specifically because of the song. Um, so Beckett has a song called Life's Shadow. And here's the yeah. riff from that song. It's basically the same riff as in this song. Um, I'll play a clip of it here. So that's, uh, I would say, more than similar. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely either the biggest coincidence statistically that's ever occurred. Yeah. Or a ripoff. Right. Well, they, what, they came what, up can, together in the yeah. same scene. So, I mean, they, they were familiar yeah. with each other back in the day. Yeah. So what is the relationship with Beckett and Iron Maiden? Because we've gone through it so much. Yeah. Um, there's covers and various things. Well, Beckett was around... I think 1970 to 1974. And so they're around in the scene like before Maiden formed. And I read a thing actually online, the drummer for Beckett, Keith Fisher. And he claims that Steve Harris and Adrian Smith both used to come to watch Beckett regularly. Yeah. And uh, apparently Nico liked Beckett enough that it was his idea to cover Rainbow's Gold as a B-side. Yeah, and I think Rod Smallwood was also their agent or tour manager or something. So there's a relationship there too. Um, this is all coming from the drummer of Beckett. I saw him post on some forum. So I mean, there was a bit of a connection there. Well, basically, Maiden was basically sued for the "Hallowed Be Thy Name" lyrics that they borrowed. I'm using air quotes. Um, but also tacked yeah. onto that is. Well, I have the legal documents here in front of me. Yeah, like you would. Uh, <laughs> here's a 25.9.2. In 2000, on an album entitled Brave New World, Iron Maiden released a track entitled The Nomad, credited to Mr. Harris and Mr. Murray. The guitar solo in The Nomad is an almost identical copy of the guitar solo in Life's Shadow. And then it says, mm-hmm. like, the assessment of damages should be conducted on the basis that blah, 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 blah. Um, Mr. Murray had reasonable grounds to know had been engaged in infringing activity in accordance with Regulation 3 of the Intellectual Property Enforcement Regulations. Anyway, just, uh, they basically sued them over the Hallowood thing and tacked in there as something about that guitar solo in the middle of the Nomad. And it was all settled out of court, and it's all yeah. over now. <laughs> we talked about it a ton on a episode at least a year ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know. Yeah, longer than that. That's why I can't remember yeah. any of it. Yep. It was a while ago. And I had it all, uh, you know, in a document, and we explained yeah. it, but I can't remember the details anymore. <laughs> but anyway, people, yeah. I'm sure, are going to email us if we don't mention the lawsuit. But they were sued. They settled yeah. in court. And it's over. <laughs> it seemed in the early days we were, <laughs> yeah, like, right out, like, I mean, the first 30 or 40 episodes, it seemed like we could do an album in an, in an episode or two, but we could take, like, a lawsuit, we took, like, a half an episode. <laughs> it seemed like there was a lot, covered a didn't lot, it? man. It's been 
120 something. We've covered episodes. everything. We uh, I know. Yeah. But we've talked about this already. I don't want to really bog down this episode. No, Let's that's just right. say this we'll song was strongly inspired by the Beckett song. <laughs> strongly inspired. Oh, I don't even know if we can say that. Um, let's go to the next track. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. How's this beer, by the way? It's good. It's good, isn't it? Cappuccino stout, yeah. yeah. I'm going to top mine up here. This is, um, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's uh, delicious. It's got a bit more flavor to it than like a regular stout. Don't knock my Guinness, Nespis. Oh, I do love Guinness. Don't make me, don't make me reach through the internet and slap you. <laughs> next Guinness. track. I got, a couple of, I got a couple of cans in the fridge. Uh, yeah, next track, Out of the Silent Planet. Track number nine, Out of the Silent Planet, mm. Yannick Gers, Bruce Dickinson, Steve Harris. Six minutes, 25 seconds. Yes. What do you think of this one? Love it. I love the song. Super catchy. Yes. I love it. Another Yannick song for all the Yannick haters. Yes. Another Yannick. Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you always read that this is based on the book Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. Really? That's what people say. But uh, yeah. I got an interview with Bruce, and he says uh, – he doesn't say it's about the book. He says it's about the movie Forbidden Planet. So this is a quote. He says, uh, Forbidden Planet, the movie, such a fabulous concept that I just wrote a lyric about society. In Forbidden Planet, they discover a civilization long dead but run extremely efficiently by these vast machines. The society itself has long since perished – but the technical paraphernalia that they've constructed will last forever. I kind of thought, well, that's nice, but took a few stages back and thought, if the society was dying, if it poisoned itself, would it seek to export its insanity elsewhere out of the silent planet? Hence the idea of a world which had poisoned itself with its own prosperity and its own gods. It created its own gods, and its own gods destroyed it. Wow. So it's the movie Forbidden Planet, he says, is what inspired this. And that kind of explains yeah. the lyrics of withered hands, withered bodies, begging for salvation, deserted by the hands of God of their own creation. Yeah. Nations cry underneath decaying skies above. You are guilty. The yeah. punishment is death for all who live. Yeah. Oh, my God. And not only that, <laughs> I love the, the lyrics best. to the song. And then, he, and he repeats it. The punishment is death for all who lives. I know. I and love it. And then he carries it at the end. And then, yeah. And then the, the chorus is amazing. This has got, yeah, this is probably so one of my favorite tracks. So the title is from the C.S. Mm. Lewis book from 1938, Out of the Silent Planet. But it's not based mm. on it. It's more based on the movie Forbidden Planet from 1956. But yeah, I love the lyrics to the song. It's so awesome. The killing fields, the grinding wheels crushed by equilibrium. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a really campy but amazing <laughs> I lyric. Know. Yeah. Separate lives, no more disguise, no more second chances. Haggard wisdom yeah. spitting out the bitter taste of hate. I accuse you before you know the crime. It's all too late. All too late. So yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so many great, so many great lyrics. Even if you can't figure out what he's talking about, they just sound so awesome, and they're super fun to sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really oh, care totally. if they make much sense or if they just. I don't know. It's yeah. awesome. This is a shower song, and you get the you get <laughs> yeah. the uh, get the fist up. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's one of those songs oh, for man. sure. 
So I don't know if this is like me knowing the lyrics and what the song's about and letting that shape my interpretation of the song. But the beginning, the intro sounds kind of, sounds like electronic or mechanical and kind of evil mm. sounding. Like this to me sounds like evil mechanical robots. That's a cool intro, but to me it sounds very like it kind of sounds like sinister and evil, and it does yeah. kind of sound like electronic to me, which kind of suits yeah. the lyrics. You know, Bruce's ideas are like vast machines turning against their masters. It kind of feels like yeah. that to me. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very doomsday, but yes, that's a good word. Yeah. Do you, do you find in the chorus when it says out of the silent planet, dreams of decimation, right? Yep. I always hear desolation. Oh, me too. I always thought it was yeah. dreams of desolation. Yeah. Yeah. And then out of the silent planet come the demons of creation. Like, it's just so great. I know. But the way he sings it is, oh, wow. What a song to see live. Yeah, but that intro is awesome. The lyrics are awesome. The real intro after that, like, electronic part is Bruce kind of doing a soft version of the chorus. so it's just about to kick in so there's two intros there's that like a little electronic-y sounding one which is on the guitar and then there's that part that we just heard i've got a quote from uh bruce and he's talking about these intros in this song and bruce says i certainly wanted to get to the old gallop bit from the get-go and steve was like let's not give it to him straight away <laughs> a little foreplay. Like, make him wait for it a little bit. <laughs> well, you know what's driving me nuts? I want that clip to keep going. Right. So it goes into that like chunky strumming part when it kicks in. Yeah. The single version of this song cuts out both intros and it goes straight to this part. So this is how the song starts in the single, which is very strange. But this is the part I'm talking about. I love this song, and I love oh. that part. Can I just say this? If you can hear that and not just, like, lean into it and, and love it. If, if, if you're not, in Yeah, if you're not getting, like, goosebumps right now, why are you listening to an Iron Maiden podcast? I love the song. <laughs> I love it. This is, like, why Iron Maiden are great. <laughs> it's it's summed up. This is one of – oh, this is such – one of the – no, there's so many good tracks. So I love on the this, verses. On this 
whole album. In the song, I love the verses. Yeah. The melody, the delivery, Bruce's delivery. All of it. Everything. And the the chorus yeah. in this song is so catchy. Super catchy chorus. Yeah. I love the harmonies on the chorus, too. It's awesome. Man. I know, so it, catchy. What? How is this album? How is this album not bigger? Like, well, this you know, a, to me. Yeah. Oh, it is yeah. pretty big, I think. It's a big comeback album. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Like, There's just so much on here that embodies what's great about Maiden. Oh, yeah. But there's so much on here that I can see transcending Maiden, too, in the sense of, like, if you listen to this track. If you're any bit into metal or even kind of rock more of the, you know, I don't know, kind of rock slash more Soundgarden, you know, kind of grunge scene at that time, this would really appeal to you too. Like this has got a, this is not a, a this is an open ship ready to party for a lot of people. Like <laughs> this is a, this is not like some closed down metal track to find, like this is such a great song and it just, embodies what's so great about this album yeah it's just awesome it's It's a great single too because i mean it's pretty standard rock song structure too it's like that you got the two intros but then you have verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus chorus yeah so it's not like it's a good choice of a single and it was a single oh we didn't talk about the solos i mean yannick it's a yannick written song yannick solos timing kind of changes up in the bridge and then yannick just hits you with the solo a really great solo, good mix of melody and shredding. And there's a bit of like Yannick's kind of wildness, his unpredictableness in there. Um, really great solo. Fits the song perfect. Some solo from Rianic. And it comes out of that. There's more singing oh, it's excellent. outro, Bruce singing it, guitar playing along with them. Amazing. Yeah. We gotta revisit. Well, I know we talked about it last time, and I know you you mentioned well not last time, a couple episodes ago, but and when was it? Anyway, you mentioned Yannick and the summary and 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 uh you know his impact. We need to circle back on that a little bit for a quick discussion later on. Because I think, is there another album he's left as much a mark on as this, you know? Yeah, I think so. Some, well, the ones where he first joined. We'll talk about that. We'll do. Um, yeah, we'll circle that later. One thing with later. the song. The song seems like about three minute, three and a half minutes. It does. And it's six or seven minutes, right? 
It's, That's crazy. It's six and a half. It, and yeah, you know what? It is repetitive. <laughs> it's all awesome. Yeah. 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 It's repetitive, but so is uh, Doggy Style Missionary Position. They're fun. <laughs> True. Um, this was a single. I was saying it has a cover by Mark Wilkinson. Mark Wilkinson's the guy that did the Book of Souls album cover. He's the cover of this. Yeah. Of like Eddie standing behind a podium that has like Out of the Silent Planet written on it. And he's like doing a press conference as an alien. I don't know. It's kind of a cool cover. Yeah. The single version is four minutes and 10 seconds. They cut two full minutes out of it. So you get no intros at all. The entire Yannick solo section is cut. The outro is half as long. And you get this like really short and simple version for radio, which I can't imagine why this wasn't like a huge, huge, huge radio hit. I mean, you, you, you no cut sense. any of the repetition out, you get this down to four minutes, it's just like gold. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Maiden have a PR problem. Always did, right? They, even when I tell people I have a Maiden podcast, they're like, metal really? in general, they're like, they don't get it. Yeah, it is yeah. metal in general. It's the, the devil yeah. stuff or something. And metal's just like, you know, I don't know. I think metal's not that popular anyway as far as like radio. You know what I mean? Mm. It's stri- like, I bet if yeah. you looked at... If you looked at Spotify right now, I bet you there wouldn't be one metal song in the top 50 most listened songs. I bet you there wouldn't be a rock song in the top 50 songs. You know That's what I mean? That's a good point. I bet, the top, I bet you there wouldn't be a rock song in the top 100 most streamed songs on Spotify in 2019. Maybe. Yeah. It's all shuffle yeah, dance well. music. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. Ariana Grande, who... BT dubs, I love. <laughs> but uh, that, it was a single cut down. So there was a CD single version that had the edited version of Out of the Silent Planet. It had Wasted Years, live from Italy, 99. Ace is High, live from Spain. And then it had the video for Out of a Silent Planet on it. There's also a 12-inch picture disc and a 7-inch red vinyl for the uh, single, for any of the collectors out there. Really? But... Uh, What's the what's the B side? I just said wasted years. Not yeah. live from '99 and Ace is high live from 1999. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I missed that. So the uh, yeah, what 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 amazes me that I didn't put the full version of the track somewhere on it. It is weird. Like a better single, you know? I think, would be the edited version and the full version. Yeah, because at the same time, I get I get they edited it down for radio play, and I guess that still mattered back then. And I guess it yeah. still matters now. But now, you know, it's funny. Now you'd almost, it's really up to the record company to boost it on the, the you know, that's a whole different debate, but on the, on the streaming yeah, services. Yeah, but you know what? Does you know, Iron Maiden even care if anyone streams their music? You're not getting any money from streaming. You know what I mean? No, but you're not buying the red vinyl uh, if you're not, uh, you know, you got to get into it somehow. Yeah. It's, you know, I think first, Maiden first is song's like free. Stream and listen to our music and then buy a $40 t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah, no, Maiden's like Maiden's like we'll find we'll get one in a thousand people, you know, which globally is huge, or one you know, one in a hundred, and then they'll paint the room <laughs> Iron Maiden and they'll have it on their car. Like that's you know, like us. Yeah. Live yeah. they played this song a few times mm-hmm. in the lead up to Rock and Rio and cut it. So they do the full set list and then they did Fallen Angel and Out of Silent Planet at the end of the set. Um and there's live footage of it. One of those shows was broadcast on Argentinian TV. So there's live footage of it if you look online. Um, they play kind of a cross between the radio and album versions. 
they leave the solos in they kind of cut the the intros out um i've got a clip of them playing it live but they uh it didn't stick in the set list for very long So, yeah, it never really stuck around the set list for very long. But this is an awesome track. I would give this a 10 out of 10, mm. this song. I love it. I really love the song. It'd be up there with, like, Wicker Man, yeah. Ghost of the Navigator. Like, it's one of my favorite songs on this album, for sure. Not everyone loves it, yeah. though. We got an email uh, from someone, Topi, and he says, Brave is one of my least favorite albums. I can't stand the Nomad, and Out of the Silent Planet is way too long. I would take Angel and the Gambler over this any day. Rest of the songs are cool, though. <gasps> oh man! <laughs> so not everybody loves wow. these songs. Out of it, just goes to show, you know what I mean? People's taste all over the place. Yeah, I don't know how you cannot love the song. Yeah. I love the song. This is one of my favorite Maiden songs. I know. this week. <laughs> I know. I know. That uh, that. That's 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 an interesting take, but then again, I guess there are people who eat bat soup, so you know. <laughs> anyway, um, I would put this as yeah, I wouldn't put it above Blood Brothers or Wicker Man. I mean, I would put so the song above Blood I, it, Brothers for me. I like the song. Oh, the song is better than bit. I put it up with bit. like Wicker Man, Ghost of the Navigator, and the next song, number ten. Thin line between love and hate, which I also love, which I'd also give yeah. when, a high rating to. When we were arm and arm singing Blood Brothers at the show, <laughs> you were thinking, "Oh, I'd rather be hearing uh, Out of the Silent Planet right now." No, like, I'm just seriously. thinking if I was going to listen to Iron Maiden, I would put this song yeah. on before I put Blood Brothers on. I think Blood Brothers is a little played out, and that's half the reason. Not that it's a better song. Yeah, it's just fair enough. It's an anthem. It's it's like uh, Trooper. It's not really an album song. Yeah, it's just become like an Iron Maiden. Yeah, like Wasted Years has become. It's not just a track on somewhere in time. It's like yeah, it's a thing on yeah. its own. And Blood Brothers is the only anthem like that from the modern era. Ah, uh, you think? You know, I have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's also part of its timing, right? Yeah. From this album. Yeah, no, I I love this. I love this track. I love the whole Brave New World and the, the whole album cover ba- with like, yeah. the future and then the futuristic London yeah. and then this spacey silent planet thing. 
it all just feels right yeah it's pretty cool i love it yeah the the whole back end of this album dream of mirrors love it fallen angel really love it nomad love it out of the silent planet really love it like and this is you know nines and tens and then no and thin line between we're gonna have to get to next time i can spoil almost yeah spoiler alert (laughs) i like that one too (laughs) funny uh we had someone call this a concept album when they emailed us yeah it's not a concept album I have a quote from Steve Harris, and he says, an interviewer actually asked him that, and he said, I'm glad you asked this because it may clear up a few misconceptions before we get asked this on the tour for the millionth time. Some people do think the albums are like concept albums when they're not. That's usually because of the artwork and strong imagery we use. We write the best collection of songs we can at the time, and everything else fits around them, not the other way around. And I have a quote from Bruce Dickinson. He's like, there's no theme to the album as a whole. It's just a collection of songs. Uh, yeah, I, I could, we could, we could create a whole debate on this because Iron Maiden, you know, what, what do we talk about with uh, Ghost and Navigator? You know, like, what do we talk about with the Nomad? You linked it back to previous songs. There's concepts in the band that keep yeah, coming out. Yeah, but I don't think it's a concept album. Right. It's an album of concepts that are consistent through the whole band that, you know, so I don't know. I'm no, like, but a concept the more I think about it, the more I... all of these songs share a concept, which they don't. Yeah, but the themes across, like Iron Maiden, isn't like, you know, there's there's a series of epic, kind of warrior themes, and and perceptions on reality. We should have an episode on this because because these things all tie together, right? Like, so you can say, oh, there's the Mariner theme and then there's another Mariner theme and another Mariner theme and that's very literal, like it's all Mariner. But then you can say like the Nomad appears and disappears at will and then over here you can say the Ghost of the Navigator and the Ancient Mariner and, you know, Hallowed and you could say that there are character themes that are consistent, you know, and there's a, there's a you know, a, a warrior archetype archetype you know what i mean like so yeah but that doesn't make one album a concept album you're talking about a concept that continues through that pops up and recurs through various albums yeah i'm talking about a single album being a concept album for it to be a concept yeah, album, but like Shakespeare, the songs yeah. on one album have to share a concept yeah but what what is the what is the concept exactly that's why they aren't a concept that's why they're not concept albums only Seven Sun is. Yeah, but you're saying the concept has to be has to be grounded in no, something literal. They just have to share a concept. Like something. Yeah, and I'm saying that so much main lore is of similar yeah, concepts. But that doesn't hero make concept themes. Albums. A concept album is one album, like Seven Sun, where all the songs tie into yeah. one concept. Yes, but but if you're so if you, you look at say, Shakespeare, yeah, yeah, okay. but you can't say that yeah. like. This is a concept album because Ghost of the Navigator ties back to Rhyme with the Ancient Mariner. Because those are no, different no, but no, but I was saying that's how you're constructing a concept. But what I'm saying is, is that if you look at the themes that are in all these albums across the album, then you can create a concept even if it's not there, just because Maiden lore is so consistent. Yeah, but name me. Well, what would be a concept that would span all of these songs? So you can view this though as a concept album. What I'm saying is, is yeah, when when Harris says it, you're right in the sense it's not a concept album because he's saying, look, there's no unifying concept. What I'm saying, a fan could perceive it as a concept album or a listener simply from the perspective 
that there's so many common themes. Like there is a lot that binds this together. So their argument that it's a concept album or not is really, when they say it's not a concept album, you're absolutely right. And at least from their perspective, it's not a concept album. But it's easy to look at it and to tie a theme together across an album. We do it every time. And then sometimes it falls apart and sometimes it doesn't. And I, I just see so many common narratives across albums. And the narratives that go across albums are so consistent with each other that even within an album, when those narratives all arise, you can you can relate them amongst themselves. You know what I'm saying? So this whole concept, what is made and what... Yeah, but I think if you make a concept broad and vague enough, any yeah. album can be a concept album. Like Appetite for Destruction, you could call a concept album. It could be like, it's about like gritty life on the street and yeah. rebellion. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean it's a concept album. No, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're, we're arguing... If you go vague enough, anything is. If you want to just dumb it down and say, is it a common concept with a common idea that travels through it all? Yes, I'd agree with you. And he... So, right. So that's what a concept yeah. album is. You yeah, just but defined that, a concept No, album. but what I'm saying is from a fan's perspective, you could look at this and see it as a concept yep. album. And the fact that so many of these things keep coming up time and time again, there are common concepts that drive all the albums. That's what I'm saying. And it's... Yeah. Okay, I just... I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to... I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, <laughs> if you look at this like he did and see it as a concept yeah. album, I can totally get that. I mean, as soon as Steve says it's not a common concept album, I mean, that's they wrote it. Right, you know, but yeah. when I look at it, I think, yeah, there's a lot in here. It's the same kind of themes, which is why we love Maiden. I mean, if 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 they wrote an album, you know, if they put two songs on here, you know, three songs about drinking in a country bar, heartbroken, we wouldn't be arguing like, oh, is this a heartbroken country song concept <laughs> album? We'd be like, no, they're not Maiden. Why are they not Maiden? Because Maiden fits X, Y, and Z, and those common themes are everywhere. So when you see the themes and you try, you know, and, and look, they didn't pick that artwork going, Hey, uh, brave new world is their title track. Uh, you know, out of the silent planet, uh, dream of mirrors. Is it real or not? Uh, you know, out of the silent planet, things are, are, are being reborn. Now we've got this new thing. Oh, we've got a band that's come together and, and it's a brave new world. Like, Oh, there's no concept here. Come on. Uh, I don't think I don't see it. Ah, well, it's a huge coincidence then. <laughs> All right, let's uh, wrap it up. That's uh, we're gonna go another episode on this one. It's gonna be yeah. a record-breaking length of. Uh, <laughs> record you know what? We're in lockdown, and uh, I think I don't think people mind if we uh, go long yeah. on these episodes. And this is our last album. After this, yeah. we uh, have none left until the new one comes out. Yeah, which at and, this rate. Uh, yeah, at this rate, who knows? At this rate, we'll be we'll be in the new new world order. You know, <laughs> but uh, well, well, next episode we'll talk about the tour and then get into thin line between love and hate. We got yeah. a lot of feedback too. Maybe we'll get into that a bit. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and then we. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of feedback. Yeah. Lots of. Uh, I wish I had more of these cappuccino stouts. This is delicious. Yeah, really good, really good. I enjoyed it. Mine's gone now, sadly. Last little swig. That was beautiful. Another great yeah. kitty video bear. They're doing so much good stuff. Yeah, we've done a bunch of them now in a row, and they've all been good. Awesome. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. Go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. Talking Maiden. Go to TalkingMaiden.com. TalkingMaiden.com. Yeah. Uh, TalkingMaiden at gmail.com. Yeah. And Send if you... us your, uh, this your last chance to get something in on uh, Brave New World. Absolutely. we got so much and now. You want to get it in right away. TalkingMaiden.com slash talk. 
we've had a few people leave messages. You can leave an audio message anonymously. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Or anything else you want to talk about. Because after we're done this album, we got a lot of stuff piled up now to talk about with like the tour cancellations and, you know. Yeah, I heard there's a bug going around. <laughs> I heard something about that. I heard something about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's probably not that funny, but anyway. Hey, you got to laugh. An evil virus that's threatening mankind. You know, are, we, are we a concept podcast? <laughs> the concept is a beer. <laughs> <laughs> the concept is beer. Wait, no, I didn't agree to that. I didn't agree to that. All right. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Bye.